Welcome to Wednesday Night at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you've joined us. We're going through the book of Esther, and just a great story that is told here, and uh, we're in Esther chapter 5. So let me make sure and do a little review so that maybe you haven't been with us, maybe you've missed one or two. Let me just kind of set the stage for you so that you don't miss anything. Chapter 1. The king has decided he's going to go to war, so he's setting the stage. He throws big parties so that everyone can see his power, his wealth, his ability to do that. In one of those moments where he should have regretted, had a little too much to drink, and ask his wife to come out, the queen, and display herself, and the queen says no. So the queen's done. Chapter 2, they look for another queen. It's years later, they've went to war, they got routed, history tells us, and so they go through the land trying to find another lady who is appropriate, and Esther is chosen. So Esther is the queen. Chapter three, there's this guy, Haman, who is second in command, who uses money and manipulation to get the king to agree that in about another year, we need to wipe out a certain people in the kingdom because they're not following our rules and they're different and they're not doing what we say and we just need to eliminate them. And the king agrees to it. And so Haman sends out a decree to all the providences on this date, again, about a year from now, all of the Jews are going to be annihilated and wiped off the whole kingdom. Chapter 4, Esther has an uncle, Mordecai. He's adopted her as his daughter. He goes to her and says, Esther, do you know what's happening? You need to talk to the king about this. She says, look, it's not that simple. I can't just go to the king whenever I want to. He's still the king. He goes, well, you need to do this. She says, I don't think I can. He said, look, if you don't, don't think for a moment you're going to be spared. You'll be killed along with everybody else. And he said these great words, perhaps you have come into the kingdom for such a time as this. This is your moment, Esther. This is what you're going to do. And she says, okay, listen, let's spend some time fasting and I'll consider what I need to do. So now we're at chapter five. Esther's plan. She spent that time doing it. She develops a plan, and that's where we pick up the story. Esther chapter 5, verse 1. The third day of the fast, that's how long they'd been fasting, Esther put on her royal robes, entered the inner court of the palace, just across from the king's hall. And the king was sitting on his royal throne, facing the entrance. So she put herself in a position where she could be seen. Verse 2. When he saw Queen Esther standing there in the inner court, he welcomed her and held out the gold scepter to her. Now, that was a good thing because if he didn't do that, the other opportunity was she's there, she shouldn't be there, kill her. But he issues her the invitation. Esther approached, touched the end of the scepter, and the king asked her, what what do you want? What is it you request? I will give to you whatever you want, even if it's half the kingdom. Wow, that's a lot. Okay, picture somebody who rules the United States and you go to them, they own it all, they rule it all, and they say, look, whatever you want, I'll give you up to half of the whole country if you want it and everything in it. 
Esther replied, notice, if it pleased the king, let the king and Haman, remember the guy who come up with this plan to wipe him out, let him come today to the banquet I've already prepared for you, uh, let, let you and the king and, and Haman. And the king turned to his attendants and said, you know, tell Haman to come quickly to the banquet. Esther's requested it. And the king and Haman went to Esther's banquet. And while they were there drinking wine, and the king said to Esther, now tell me, what do you really want? What, what's your request? I'll give it to you. And again, he repeats it, even if it's half of the kingdom. And Esther replied, this is my request and deepest wish. If I found favor, and if you're agreeable, would you do what I'm about to ask you? Come to a party tomorrow, a dinner, a banquet, you and Haman, again, I'll prepare it for you, and then I'll explain what this is all about. Boy, is this gal wise. So while they were fasting, God revealed to Esther a plan, and Esther puts the plan into place. So we're going to look at just real quickly, how do you honor somebody when making an appeal? You see, if that had been me or you, Esther finds out, you're going to wipe out my people? Let me load up the guns and I'm coming in firing. Right? That's what we would do. Let me give you a piece. You think you're going to do this, King? This is wrong. You shouldn't do this. This is horrible. Do you understand what's going on here? You're about to kill all my people. I don't like this. I resent this. I'm one of these people. How could you do such a thing? That is usually our way of handling things, isn't it? Come on, be honest. So she takes a little time to cool down probably as we should do. So how does she do this? I want you to look at a couple of things we, need, we pick up from what she did. First of all, be polite. Now that's a novel concept for many people. He's still the king. When she walks in, your majesty. She still respects him. She still honors him. She's respectful. See, when you do that, you open up a person's heart, don't you? You open up a person's mind. You demonstrate the respect to the authority that is before you. If you want to get something, you first begin with recognizing who can give it to you and who's in charge, and you politely talk to them with respect. You don't start talking to them by calling them names and saying all kinds of things about them and their lineage. Respectful, polite. Then she was also pleasant. <laughs> no anger, no touch of, oh, I can't believe he's doing this. She didn't barge in, she didn't issue threat. It's the old saying that I think from Ben Franklin, he says, you get more with a spoonful of honey than you do with a gallon of vinegar. You come in with pleasantry, calmly, honestly, politely. And then be persistent. Now, I don't know about you, but you know, I'm going into the king and I'm going to ask him for this. And then suddenly he comes up with, I'll give you half the kingdom. You might have a tendency to get sidetracked with what you want, right? Wow, okay, half, what? I can ask for anything. 
I can get, wow, that's pretty incredible. She didn't lose focus. She didn't get thrown off course. She knows what she's there for, and she doesn't get sidetracked. She stays true to what she knows she needs. And see, sometimes when we're trying to get something from someone, when we're trying to talk to someone, when we're trying to approach someone with something that we think is critical and important and that we need, what do we do? We try to use force. We go in and demonstrate and power up. Who do you think you are? I'm better than you. You shouldn't be doing that. We don't, we don't show respect. We're not pleasant. We're angry. We're mad. We, we want what we want when we want it. And then we get sidetracked by, well, I need this and I want this and I want this and I thought I wanted this, but I want this and I want this and I want this. Be patient. First day comes in, she doesn't even tell the king what she wants. She sets the stage. You know, (laughs) You give somebody a good meal, you might be able to get a lot of things from them. And so she was patient. She didn't barge in. She didn't bully her way. It's come to my banquet tomorrow. You see, I see people all the time thinking they want something, want to ask something. Take a a teenager going to a parent rather than going to that parent and say, Dad and Mom, I'm really grateful that I live in this house and that you take care of me and you're such good parents. And now, you're not buttering people up. You're not trying to snowball them. You're not trying to, you know, I'll just say this, even though I don't really mean it. But here's what I'd like to have, and I, I know you'll consider that, and I know you'll be fair. A parent would listen a whole lot more and be much more willing to grant what they want than when they come in, you're never fair to me. You never give me anything. You don't have it. You're mean. You're nasty. And yet, that even continues as we get older as adults, doesn't it? You know, I don't like the way my food looks when I go to a restaurant. I'm going to raise a fuss about this. I'm going to make sure they know it. Rather than just being polite, respectful, Hey, listen, you know, I, I, I don't want to be a bother, but anybody following this? Because it's us, isn't it? And Esther sets a great example here on how you approach people in charge when you're wanting something, and especially when you're wanting something that's valid. And so she puts herself in a place where she can talk to the king, where the king's going to listen, and she's going to ask, he's asked offered her everything she's going to ask for less questions good it's just a principle that we've forgotten and we don't put into practice nearly often enough in relationships do we you're real quiet now okay next part is Haman's pride So she approaches the king, she invites him to the banquet. So the rest of the chapter is about Haman. This guy's a piece of work. Haman was a happy man when he left the banquet. I mean, after all, he just left the banquet. But when he saw Mordecai sitting at the palace gate, remember this all kind of started because Mordecai went and bowed to him. 
Mordecai never said anything bad about him, never did anything offensive, just, I'm just not going to bow. That's not who I am. It's not what we Jewish people do. It's a disrespect. No, you know, it's just we honor God. We bow to him, no one else. And so he was sitting there. He's not standing up or trembling nervously before him. Wow. <laughs> you should fear me. And Haman became furious. However, he restrained himself and went on home. Now notice, up to this point, I, no, nothing's mentioned. Haman, Mordecai have not talked. There's just been this issue going on. Mordecai's being true to who he is as a Jew. It's what prompted Haman to go to the king and say, we need to kill them all. Haman's still being the, this guy should be doing this, showing me respect. I'm somebody. Don't disrespect me. Then Haman gathered together his friends and his wife and boasted to them about his great wealth and his many children. He bragged about the honors the king had given him and how he had been promoted over all the other nobles and officials. And Haman added, and that's not all. Queen Esther invited only me and the king himself to the banquet she's prepared for us. And she has invited me to dine with her and the king again tomorrow. And he added, but this is all worth nothing as long as I see Mordecai the Jew just sitting there at the palace gate. As long as that guy isn't showing me respect that I think I deserve, nothing else matters. You ever got so focused in on one negative thing that you can't enjoy all the positive things? So Haman's wife and all of his friends they suggested, look, why, why don't you do this? Why don't you set up a sharpened pole that stands 75 feet tall? <laughs> now, when I read that, I kind of scratch my head because 75 feet, okay, see the top of this ceiling here? Double it. That's 75 feet. And a sharpened pole, okay, could that be a fairly good pole? I would think. I don't know. Maybe they put it next to a hill. I don't know how they do it. But why don't you put up a sharpened pole that stands 75 feet tall? I don't know why 75 feet. And in the morning, ask the king to impale Mordecai on it. My first question is, how do you lift him up 75 feet? Who's going to throw him up to land him on the pole? I, I, you know, how would that work? I don't know. And when this is done, you can go on your merry way to the banquet with the king. And this pleased Haman, and he ordered the pole set up. Okay. <laughs> Boy, these things we come up with, huh? I don't like the way this guy's going. Why don't you set up a long, tall pole, sharpen it on the end, and impale him on it. Let him set up there so everybody can see it. And then when that's done, you'll be feeling great. Isn't that the way of the world? And yet, that's exactly what he thinks, and he thinks it's a great idea. So, how do you handle a person who rubs you the wrong way? Mordecai rubbed Haman the wrong way. Now notice, they hadn't talked. 
hadn't spoken, just their mere presence irritated them. Now, I'm willing to kind of wager that for most of you, there is somebody that their mere presence just kind of puts you on edge. You don't need to nod your head and you don't need to go, okay, don't need to do any of that. I'm just kind of, I know our human nature. Oh, I can't stand them. Oh, what they do? I don't know. I just can't stand them. Just don't like them. How do you handle that? Because we are Christians, right? We should handle that correctly, right? So how do you do it? Let me give you a couple things. First of all, you deal with your ego. Why are you thinking about you all the time? Why are you acting that way? Why do you have those kind of feelings? You have the problem, not them. Well, it's the, no, it's you. Are you trying to understand them? Are you willing to think about their hurts, their needs, their pain? Are you going to be the mature person, even if they're wrong? Are you going to be the more spiritual person, no matter what they do? Well, I've been hurt before. I'm not going to let anybody else hurt me. Well, then good. Go ahead and be a recluse. You've got to deal with your ego and what you think. You don't make everybody else pay because you don't like something. Why are you so bitter? Why do you get so angry? And so you've got to deal with your way of thinking and your way of acting and your ego and what you think you deserve. It's just amazing to me how many people call themselves Christians. I don't like them. As a Christian, we're supposed to love everybody. Was last time I read the Bible, it was pretty recently. I don't think it's changed since then. I don't get to put some people in a category where, no, I don't need them. I love everybody. Love others as you love yourself. So you've got to deal with you because if you're putting somebody in a place where I don't like them, I don't want to be around them, you have a problem. And it's your problem. Deal with your expectations. Well, I think people should act this way. Well, I think they should talk to me like this. Well, I think this should happen. There's a great story in the Old Testament about a man who almost missed life because of his expectations. It's found in the Second Kings chapter 5. Naaman, leprous, leprosy, sent to go see the prophet and he went with his horses and his chariots and he waited the door of Elisha's house. And, uh, but Elisha sends a messenger, Gehazi, and he says, uh, go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Yeah, it's kind of one of these, he's standing there of all his pomps, got on the robes, got on the helmet, he's the commander, knocks on the door, the door kind of, oh, okay, go, go dip in the Jordan seven times. Bye. What? I came all this way. Notice what he says. When you do that, your skin will be restored and you'll be healed of your leprosy. But Naaman became angry and sulked and stalked away. I thought, expectation, he would certainly come out to meet me. Ego. 
I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord his God and heal me. And put the rest of the story there. The rest of the story is he says, forget this, I'm going back home. He has to be talked into by the people around him. Look, you've come all this way. Why don't you go there and do it anyway? And why was he like that? Things didn't go as he expected them to go. And if you're going to deal with people, you have to understand people will probably not meet your expectations. We expect people to treat us a certain way. We expect to be, our ego demands that you show me respect. You do this to me. You show me like this. You me. But the problem is most people don't know what we expect of them. But our expectations get us in a lot of trouble, don't they? And see, Haman was dealing with that. His ego was in his way. I deserve this. This guy should be doing this to me. This is how it should be happening. This is what should be going on. And he's not doing it. And his expectations weren't being met. And he wasn't getting what he thought he deserved. And therefore, let me get a 75-foot pole and impale the guy. Are you still good? Deal with your emotions. I'm going to list several things here that kind of fall under the emotional side of things. Need to go through them quickly. Time's running out. You deal with your emotions. First of all, <laughs> the emotion of, of exaggeration. Don't allow things to get blown out of proportion. Don't make things bigger than they are. Oh, my steak isn't done right. This is a horrible tragedy. How could that happen? Somebody needs to pay for this. Come on. Lighten up. But we tend to make things big, don't they? And you know what? The bigger you make things, the bigger explosion you have, don't you? Deal with that. Don't make a mountain out of a molehill. That's what Haman was doing. Oh, this is horrible. One guy, he's not, it's not that big of a deal, man. Your endurance. (laughs) Why do you have such a short fuse? You can endure more than you think. Did you hear that? Let me tell you something a little bit stronger. You should endure more than you think. You're going to have to endure some things in life, aren't you? People aren't going to measure up to your expectations, are they? People aren't going to do the things you think they should be doing. But who put you in charge anyway? And so you're going to have to deal with doing this time and time and time again. Because when you're loving people, people disappoint. People don't do what you expect them to do. Because why? They're people. And so I've just got to understand, this is what life is about. Me being understanding, kind, forgiving of people. And not making things bigger than what they are. And then you deal with your engagement. You know what? I I can learn to be around anybody. Anytime. I'm not going to eliminate contact. I'm not going to let someone dictate to me 
where and what, you know, because some people I've learned, you know, see a people in that, and say in the room there, they'll go all the way out that door there and go around so that they don't have the chance of running into them. By the way, if you're doing that, you've got a serious problem. Just saying. Someone else isn't going to control me. I have to deal with my willingness and ability to engage them because that's what Christians do. Expense. Here's one thing you need to know about relationships. There's several, but here's one of the big ones. Relationships, all of them cost something. All of them will cost you. You lay down your life for another. Are you willing to pay the price? And most of the time our problem is, I don't want to pay that price. Because the relationships, you see, is not about what you can get. It's about what you can give. And so we have to understand there's an expense to this. It will cost me. Eccentrics. Here's what I mean by that. Everyone's a little weird. Even you. All of us are different. You see, I'm just different. You're weird. I just have some idiosyncrasies. You're weird. And you see, we have to understand that, you know what? That's not the way it goes. And so I've got to deal with the emotional side of things that always are coming at me, that cause me to make decisions, that cause me to change direction, that cause me to change my life when they shouldn't. Because I'm called to love people as they are. And I love people whether they change or not. All right, you've you've endured, way to go. You've made it through this. Last thing, you deal with eternity. Here's what we know. That person that maybe you can't tolerate, God cares about them. God sent his son to die for them. He loves them. And so should you. He doesn't just love the people that act normal. He just doesn't love people that love him. He loves everyone. And he loves us all the same. And then he calls us to be like him, doesn't he? And he says, look, you are to demonstrate my love to the people that you're around, to the people you're in contact with, And rather than letting those people cause you to get upset like Haman did, you get over that. Love them because I love them. And I care about them just as much as I care about you. And we can never forget, there's always going to be people that we wrestle with. There's a great book, it's years old, Joyce Landorf wrote it, Irregular People. And all of us have them in our lives. And you know what? I think God purposely puts them there so that we will grow up.
and learn how to love people who are hard to love. Because that makes you become more mature as a Christian, doesn't it? And that's part of this great journey that we're on. And so we have Esther who politely deals with the issue and sets the stage and puts herself in a place to be able to hear. And the king, what do you want? What do you want? I'll give you whatever you want. You know, she just says, it'll be okay. Come, come to dinner tomorrow. We'll talk about it then. And you got another guy who's got the ego the size of the world and his solution to problem people, just kill him. And life is not going to go well for him. And it won't go well for you or I either, will it? So allow yourself to embrace everyone because God cares. And so should we. Let's pray. Lord, thank you again for this great story. Lord, we see pictures of people that we sometimes, that's just the way they are, but we don't look in the mirror enough to see how we are. So Lord, would you help us to love the unlovely, to love those who are hard to love, to love those who don't want to be loved, and to care. Help us to care and have compassion. And as we go from this place tonight, help us to go live as you've called us to live, loving you and loving others, I pray. In thy name. Everybody said, Amen. Thank you for joining us for tonight's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. We also gather on Sunday mornings at 8.15 and 10.45 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next time for Wednesday night at Faith Assembly. Faith Assembly's Wednesday night is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.